0: So this morning, as we prepare to come and hear God's word, hear these words from Psalm 34. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Which of you desires life and covets many days to enjoy good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. May that be true for us today and every day. Amen. So this morning, we have one last Sunday that we're going to be in Ezra. And then next Sunday, we'll continue in the story of Nehemiah. So this morning, our scripture text comes from Ezra chapter 10. And we're going to be reading verses 1 through 5, and then 9 through 16. And the words will be on the screen as well. So Ezra chapter 10. While Ezra, Ezra prayed and made confession, weeping and throwing himself down before the house of God, a very great assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him out of Israel. The people also wept bitterly. Shechaniah, son of Jehael, of the descendants of Elam, addressed Ezra, saying, We have broken faith with our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land, but even now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. So now let us make a covenant with our God to send away all these wives and their children according to the counsel of my Lord and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God. And let it be done according to the law. Take action, for it is your duty, and we are with you. Be strong and do it. Then Ezra stood up and made the leading priests, the Levites, and all Israel swear that they would do as had been said. So they swore. Picking up in verse 9. Then all the people of Judah and Benjamin assembled at Jerusalem within the three days. It was the ninth month on the twentieth day of the month. All the people sat in the open square before the house of God. "'trembling because of this matter and because of the heavy rain. "'Then Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, "'You have trespassed and married foreign women, "'and so increased the guilt of Israel. "'Now make confession to the Lord the God of your ancestors "'and do his will. "'Separate yourselves from the peoples of the land "'and from the foreign wives.' Then all the assembly answered with a loud voice, it is so, so we must do as you have said. But the people are many, and it is a time of heavy rain. We cannot stand in the open, nor is this a task for one day or for two, for many of us have transgressed in this matter. Let our officials represent the whole assembly, And let all in our towns who have taken foreign wives come at appointed times, and with them the elders and judges of every town, until the fierce wrath of our God on this account is averted from us. Only Jonathan, son of Ashel, and Jehaziah, son of Tikva, opposed this, and Meshulam and Shabbatai, the Levites, supported them. Then the returned exiles did so. This is the word of the Lord, and we give thanks for it. So this morning, before we really dig into this text, I want to give, for lack of a better word, a sort of disclaimer on this text. So when we engage God's word we come believing that all of Scripture is good and for our benefit, that it is worthy of learning and teaching from God's Word. But there are parts of Scripture that are what are called prescriptive, and that they tell us how we should do things, how we are called to live and to follow God. And then there are parts of scripture that are descriptive. And that they describe how the people of God sought to follow him. And that is the passage that we have this morning. And I wanted to start by talking about this because chapter 10 in Ezra can be a difficult chapter for some people. The concept that the people of Israel would come together and would seek to follow through on a mass divorce is troublesome. And that is why we look at this passage as describing what happened at one point in time with God's people. That is not for us to say that we necessarily are called to follow exactly as they were. But this morning, as we dig into this passage, we will see that regardless of how we feel and whether or not we approve of their end result, parts of the process that they followed, there is a lot for us to learn from. So that is what we're going to focus on this morning. And not to say that we're going to ignore the rest of Scripture, but that perhaps that is where we as a community in our small groups or our times of study can wrestle with those other elements of that story. But this morning, I do want to highlight part of the faithfulness that this community had in seeking as a whole community to acknowledge an area of unfaithfulness, and to work together to move past it. Now, from right away in verse 1, we see the first, most important step, and that is this vulnerability. That is this honesty that we see from Ezra in naming that something is wrong. So often today, in our own personal lives and in our communal lives, we don't want to admit when something is wrong. And even if we do acknowledge it, we're not going to go as far as Ezra and be weeping and throwing ourselves down in the sanctuary. At least I have not seen it in my two years here. We generally have a little more sedate ways. And yet this is where Ezra was. This was true to what he was feeling in this moment. He wasn't trying to manipulate the people, but he was trying to be honest about the depth of his grief over this wrongdoing. And we see that men, women, and children are moved by his vulnerability such that they also come forth and weep with him. There is this communal acknowledgement of wrong and this grieving of it. There's not shame about weeping together in public. That is what we as a Christian community are called to. This raw vulnerability, this acknowledging of brokenness, and this willingness to sit in that together, to not try and paste on a happy face, but to truly let other people see our heart. And then we get this beautiful moment from Shechaniah, who sees that Ezra is burdened not only with this grief, but also with the weight of leadership. So he comes and he offers this word of grace to Ezra, where he says, we are with you. How often do we let our leaders carry the burden alone? How often do we see someone in our community who has been vulnerable, who has acknowledged that there is some grief, some burden that they are carrying, and that we give them some encouragement of, it'll be okay. It's going to get better. When really perhaps the best thing we can say would be, we are with you. That is what it means to be a covenant community. We use this language a lot in the church, but we don't always reflect on the full depth of that meaning. A covenant is more than just an accident. We're not here simply because we all chose to walk in the door this morning. We are gathered as a community because we have covenanted. We have made vows to each other. There is a deeper bond that we have spoken, saying that through all things, We will be one body. And in those moments where someone in our community, particularly when our leadership, who often can feel isolated, when they are struggling, it is the responsibility of the rest of us in that community to come and to say, we are with you. Do what God is calling you to do and know that we are with you. So then Ezra gets up and in turn he reminds the people of this covenant by asking them to swear that they will follow through. But then Ezra invites the people to come and to have input on how they move forward. We see in verse 9 that all the people assembled at Jerusalem within three days. There was an urgency that Ezra had put out and the people were faithful in responding. For any one of you who has tried to organize a meeting of any decent size of people, you can know how difficult it is to get everyone to show up at an appointed time. It can be hard to get 10 people to meet together for an hour, and yet Ezra got all the people of Judah and Benjamin to get up and head to Jerusalem within three days. Now remember that travel was different. So whereas three days might seem a little long for us, they were having to walk from their homes. They had to hear this message of gathering and then get up and go. And they did it. When the people of God is called to come together and to discern together, We need to answer that call. Our lives are so busy today, and it can be easy to prioritize other things over the community of God. And yet, there are going to be times where God calls us to come together to make this community a priority. Are we willing? and ready to respond to that call. Is God and the people that he has gathered us with really first in our life? Then we see that Ezra gathered gathered them together so that they each could have a say that they can wrestle together over what the way forward is. And that is the beautiful thing about Christian community, when it works right. Is this mutuality? Is this equity amongst people? Ezra probably could have said, this is what I have understood from the law, therefore this is what we do but instead he invites them to come together and to talk about it. The other thing I love in verse 9 is that it acknowledges the rain. That it talks about how they were trembling because of the greatness of this matter and because of the heavy rain. And this is real life. If you've ever sat in a meeting and been hungry, you know that your mind wanders. If you're standing out in the rain and someone is late, you're going to be a little more frustrated that they're late than if it was sunny and you were waiting for them. It seems like a small detail And yet the author knew it was important because this is real life. And this is what vulnerability really is. Such that when we come together in our communities, no matter how weighty the matter that we are discussing, that there is a level of trust in the community to say, this matter is important. But it's pouring rain, and I'm cold. So maybe we delegate this for another day. This is so important. I want to do it right. But I am showing up today, and I am distracted. I am grieving. I am tired. Whatever it is, we are physical incarnate beings living in a physical world. And when we come together to discuss spiritual matters, that physicality doesn't go away. So part of being true, vulnerable community is naming those things to one another. So that discernments aren't rushed aren't made in less than ideal conditions, but that a plan can be made to account for those so that the community moves forward knowing the decision we made is right. We didn't rush the vote just to get out of the rain. They also acknowledged the complexity of the task. They said, this is not something for one person to do. So let us have these other leaders to break it up into groups. And even if we disperse back to our homes, we will see this through. So I included that first part of verse 16 this morning where it says, then the returned exiles did so. They followed through. Just about every church that I have worked with has in their council room a row of binders of previous ministry reports of dreams that the church had, of things God might be calling them to do. And they put together a beautiful report. Because if it's on paper, then you're more committed than if you just talk about it. But then real life comes. You're standing in the heavy rain for a while. That binder gets put on that shelf, and you move on. And five years later, you convene another study, and another binder ends up on that shelf. We, as human beings, can sometimes be really, really bad at follow-through. And that is not to shame you. That is just to embrace who we are. Here again, the author refers to them not as the people of Israel, but as the returned exiles. To remind us that even though in this instance the people followed through, they are still categorized by having wandered from God. That is our identity that we are always seeking to change. Those who have wandered into exile. And are seeking to find our way back to God. Communities that are going to stumble. And are needing to get back on track. Needing to follow through. As I said, this passage is one that describes a scenario it paints a picture but it isn't perfect because none of God's people are perfect and despite this word of grace that Shechaniah offers to Ezra he errs in one thing in that he says let us make a covenant with God this morning our hope in coming together as a community, in our desire to be vulnerable, in our striving to follow through, our hope in being able to live into that comes not from us seeking God, but from embracing that God has already made a covenant with us. that even though we too are returned exiles, it is God who has brought us back. It is God whose spirit empowers us to open our hearts. It is God whose word shows us the way forward. Our hope, when we have stumbled, when we have faced a setback, when we acknowledge our brokenness, is that we don't even have to seek God out to make a covenant, but that through the blood of Jesus Christ, God has already sealed a covenant with us. His grace is there. That no matter how many times we wander away, God will call us back. And God will continue to surround us with brothers and sisters on the journey who can give us words of encouragement, who can sit with us in our moments of grief, and who can celebrate with us our God's faithfulness and our God's grace. Praise be to God. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that your grace and your mercy is for us as individuals but that it is also for us as communities. Lord, we know that as we go through life, we will face times of disappointment. We will experience setbacks. But Lord, we thank you that in those seasons, you are our hope. Your spirit will empower us to be vulnerable and honest with each other. That the blood of your son Jesus can offer us grace and forgiveness. And that through all things, you are the foundation. That you hold us up. That you mold us together. Lord, we thank you that you loved us enough to keep covenant with us. And Lord, we pray that each day we might open be open to your spirit to shape us evermore into faithful covenant partners. Lord, we pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.